Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and a coaching search to dive into here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 41. At the top of this week's show, for one last time this year, we've got Chalk Talk, where Greg Cosell and I talk about this Eagles roster from top to bottom and discuss what the new head coach here in Philadelphia will have at his disposal in 2016. Next up, we've got Two Technique, where former Eagle linebacker Ike Reese talks about the specifics of a sore spot for the Eagles defense over the last couple months defending running backs out of the backfield in the passing game. And then lastly, we're going to close it off with Saturday scouting. We've got the national title game to talk about, some matchups in that game. And we've got a new spin to this segment coming soon, so you want to stay tuned for that. But before we get into the rest of the show, it's time to welcome in my favorite guy in the room, the man with a plan, my esteemed producer, Brian Thomas. What's up, BT? What's up, sir? How are you? Good, good. So I gotta, I gotta have to, I have to ask you, hopefully you had a, a good holiday, Yeah, of course. Good New Year. That's good. 2016, good. Ready, ready to get it off with a, with a bang with a new coaching search. Absolutely. So it's good to hear. I, the, the number one question is, where were you when you found out that the Eagles were making a coaching change? So the funny thing is I was actually in the building for, for uh, a good part of that evening. I left here around maybe 645, 650-ish. So, roughly so like I was 20, 30 minutes. 20, 30 minutes. I think it was about 710, 712, I think, when, it, yep. when the news came out. And I was probably about 10 minutes away from home, and I got an alert, and uh i saw the you know and i'm i, I really thought it was wrong to be honest <laughs> and i pulled actually, well, I, actually I was actually on a uh, west river west river drive uh if people are familiar with the area but I, I pulled over into one of those little alcoves and just like stopped and did the, you really i did and then i googled it and nothing came up so i'm like is this wrong and i was a little confused uh and then i called the esteemed uh producer chris stevens who didn't answer his phone so i was like okay maybe he was busy calling me by accident i was like i was like maybe he, he can check twitter or something because i don't have twitter so uh, yeah, I know I'm like, I'm like a grandfather, so um, so I was a little caught off guard because I'm just, and I'm going through the radio, and I think we had literally got the the release as obviously the rest of the world was getting it, so it wasn't getting reported right away. So I was a little confused. So please tell me you got over, you flipped over to WIP. Oh, and then and then to yeah, Jolly. right, and so then I flipped to WIP, and I hear uh, Lane Johnson talking, and I'm like, what's going on here? So <laughs> uh, I, I was I was certainly a little uh, little little shocked that it happened Tuesday night, especially. Uh, 20 minutes before I just left the building. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, uh, obviously we have a lot to get to on the show. The Eagles moved on from Chip Kelly last week. I'm going to have NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell here to talk about what the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles will have at his disposal in 2016. Let's get into that discussion right now with Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me this week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, our good friend Greg Cosell and Greg, you thought that last week was the last week uh, that you're going to be here for quite some time, but who knew? Back here once again here uh, at the Novacare Complex, the Eagles, as everybody knows, looking for the next head coach of the team. Will be very, very interesting to see how the next few weeks progress. But what I really wanted to bring you here to talk about was just the challenges that a team faces when they have to try and take a roster from an old coaching staff and then transition it to the new staff and what that new staff has to do to try and coerce their, the old talent to their scheme and then also bring in talent to also mesh in to what that culture will be and what that team will be from an X's and O's standpoint right. moving forward. So 
Uh, well, I, it's, a, it's obviously a very loaded topic. The, the first thing you have to do is evaluate the present players. That's the first thing you have no to question. do. No question. Because you have to decide what their talents are, if there are, which players have talents that theoretically fit any scheme, which players have talents that are scheme-specific, and if they're scheme-specific, do they fit the, the schemes and philosophies of a new head coach? Interesting. If they're not, it's a good way to look at if it. If they don't fit his scheme, and I'll, I'll give you a real life example in a second. If they don't fit his scheme, then you're looking for new players at right. certain positions. Absolutely. I remember talking to Bill Polian when they hired Tony Dungy, and he told me for a week they sat and had meetings every day, and Tony Dungy explained his requisites for every position, particularly on defense, because he had a specific That's defense. That's his background, right? Yep. Tampa 2. Absolutely. And every scout and every personnel guy in the building listened to Tony Dungy talk about what he wanted in specific players. And what I've always liked from that story and from just from that, that time was not just what he wants and what are the traits that he wants in each position, but then what Polian was able to do with that and the valuation of different positions. So he could say, okay, uh, Tony wants corners that are bigger, Good run defenders don't necessarily need to be. They're not uh, going to play man to man. Exactly. So right. those kind of corners typically aren't drafted very high. They're typically not given a ton of money on the free agent market. Right. So we know those are the types of players that we can target. We can spend our money elsewhere. Same with you know the weak side linebacker in that in that Tampa too. They can be undersized, more right. athletic, not necessarily the most stout players. So we can target those players later. That we can target a Cato June, uh, you know, later in the draft and bring him in, and he can be a starter early on in his career. A Dwight Freeney, who they drafted in the first round, I believe with the 11th or 13th pick, who at 6'1", 266, would never have been seen by most teams as an NFL defensive end. Sure. So anyway, that story is just really to lay out the whole idea that what you have to do is you have to decide when you hire a new coach, you have to decide yet know what his philosophy is because what scouts do is they're basically looking for players to fit the philosophy of the coach. Absolutely. You know, we hear this all the time. If you run a four, three defense, you're not looking for a three, four nose tackle, no matter how good a player that guy might be. If you deem him to be only a three, four nose tackle, you're not drafting him. Correct. And that's what really what, like you alluded to earlier, the, the new staff has to do as soon as they get here and look at the entire roster and say, Here's what here's who fits for what we could potentially do, and here's who doesn't. What can they do uh, in turn once they realize here are the players that do not just do not fit what we do? How tough is it, is it from that point to say like obviously and there, there's lots of other factors in terms of money and contracts right. of the and that's why it. it can be a process with a new coach because you can't just get rid of guys and you can't just bring in everybody you want to bring in. You know, it's not it's not college. You're not recruiting. You know, you're not going out and just sure. bringing kids in. You know, and there's certain salary cap constraints, as we know. Um, but ultimately, that's what you have to do. You have to decide which players fit your given philosophy, and therefore, do we keep those guys, or are we looking to replace those guys? So let's look at this Eagles roster and really just kind of we'll, we'll, we did this a little bit last week in, right. in terms of looking at uh, the position by position and the and the this Eagles roster going into the offseason. Obviously, before we knew everything that was going to happen. Looking now at what this team can be from a run game perspective, 
what are the issues that a, that a new coach would have to deal with? And what are some of the things that they can highlight and say, hey, this is, well, with, what, with what's here right now, this is what I can work with? It's more than likely that the new coach will be more of a conventional NFL head coach because Chip Kelly was an outlier as far as the NFL. Right. So if, you, if your new head coach is much more of a conventional NFL head coach where the quarterback's under center more, you do have a back in DeMarco Murray who's a downhill runner. He's a downhill track runner. That would become your run game. That would need to become your run game if you want to get the most out of DeMarco Murray, who is signed and would count an awful lot against your cap if you wanted to get rid of him. You'd have an awful lot of dead money, which is not the way a new coaching staff wants to start. Sure. So you would build a downhill run game. Which Ryan Matthews can do as well. He can do that. Ryan Matthews, to me, is talented enough physically to really perform in any run game. Now, he's not as powerful as Murray, but he can still play in a downhill run game. Sure. Now, the next question is, you're all aligned, which I think when you look at it is, is in flux right now. Jason Peters is a question. The guard position is a little bit of a question. Uh, you know, the only issue you face, of course, you know, Jason Kelsey is a smaller center. You know, he's not a, he's not a road grader sure. type center. Right. You know, you think of what DeMarco Murray had in Dallas with a Travis Frederick who's well over 300 pounds or right around there. You know, Jason Kelsey's not that guy. So, again, now you're getting into fits. And you can't necessarily have everything, but you have to try to fit as best you can with the talent you have. The number one question that this new coach, whoever this is, will have to face is the quarterback quarterback. position and the passing game. Uh, Looking at what the pieces are right now, and this is with or without Sam Bradford. How are if you're if you're an, an offensive coach? How are you looking at this football team? Well, I think you have to sign Sam Bradford, and and not because he's a top three quarterback in the league, but because he's a professional quarterback, and I think he can run clearly a conventional NFL offense with more play action, more under center, and and you don't want to start your coaching your first year in Philadelphia with the quarterback position in flux because one thing Bradford gives you is a quarterback. He's not your your position's not in flux now. You've got a starting NFL quarterback. You've got something to work with. You've got something to work with. He throws the ball well. There's no issues there. And he's proved the one thing I think Sam Bradford has proven this year is he's a pretty tough guy. You know, he's he's taken a he took a lot of hits in, in the two thousand fifteen sure. season. Absolutely did. And he got up a lot. No question. So you know I think Again, then it's a negotiation, and we, that always takes time. But I think you'd have to sign Sam Bradford. No question. So uh, looking at the rest of this offense, the pass catchers, and this I think is, is very, very interesting as well, is in a, in a new scheme, how do Nelson Aguilar and yeah. Jordan Matthews and, and what can be done with Zach Ertz, what can be done with Darren Sproles as well out of the backfield? Right. Uh, well, I think we know because he's played in a lot of offense. Sure. We know what Sproles is. But in it's interesting in that – at times, it didn't seem as if uh, there were too many creative ways for Darren no. Sproles to be used in this past offense. So it would be very interesting they got to see away what else from, can they get out of. Under the previous staff, they got away from a lot of the angle routes, the Texas routes, the wheels, which is, I think, what Sproles is. Um, you know, the wide receiver position becomes fascinating because I think players were drafted for, for a specific scheme. And I've often wondered if ultimately you have similar type receivers – you know, I think Jordan Matthews is a slot receiver in this league. Uh, and I think he can be a solid one. Nelson Aguilar, 
is he the same? He's not as big as Matthews, obviously, but is he ultimately the same kind of receiver in a more conventional NFL offense? Is he a slot receiver? Uh, I think that's a question that a new staff would really have to, you know, he's not going anywhere as a first-round pick. Um, Josh Huff, he may be the same thing, too. He may, when all said and done, be a slot receiver. They may have a lot of guys who do the same thing, ultimately. Sure. And that's, you know, and obviously the previous regime drafted receivers in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, all in the last two years. So if they view these guys as essentially the same, they're going to look at the receiver position as a position of need. Yeah, it will be very interesting to watch. And then defensively, I think the big question everybody will have is 3-4 versus 4-3. Right. Uh, which it's interesting because I, I really do feel like even though that it's been a 3-4 over the last three years, I think they could pretty easily go back into a 4-3. Oh, I do too. And I think that they also could have success still as a 3-4 team as well. Can you see Fletcher Cox as a three technique Absolutely. and a four three? Absolutely, and, and then, a really good one. And you have the and I think well. Vinny Curry. Exactly. And, you know, I've talked to offensive linemen in the NFL who've told me Vinny Curry is the best pass rusher on the team. Now, whether he plays forty snaps a game or seventy snaps a game, that would have to that would remain to be seen. But I think Vinny Curry is a four three D end, and I think he can be a pretty good one. Yeah, and you pair him with. Brandon Graham, and you have Connor Barwin, who could potentially play as a strong side linebacker. It could be very, very interesting yep. to see what that group would look like. But like I said, I also do feel like that it could still stay in the current form as a 3 4 and still be very productive. They could. Um, I think to get Vinnie Curry on the field more, I would love to see a 4 3 because I think they, they, they need to be able to rush the quarterback. Yeah, and, that, and that's something we talked about last yeah. week as being uh, surely an area of concern. Uh, and then you look at the secondary. What, what are the, your thoughts as, as far as what a new coaching staff would look at looking at the back end of this defense? Well, you know, the old, the old regime wanted to play a lot of man coverage, a lot of press. Um, I think Eric Rowe can do that, and that might be the best thing he can do. I'm not sure he'd be a great off-coverage corner. Now, right. he could certainly be a cover-two corner, but cover-two is not used as much in the league as it used to sure, be. absolutely. I mean, it's used maybe on third and long or you know second and long, but it's not really a foundation defense the way it was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, you know, Byron Maxwell, he's theoretically he should be able to do most anything, uh, but I, I think there's a question as to what he's best at. I do think that of any position, I do think that the the cornerback group is really kind of set like, okay, this is what you almost have to be. Right. Uh, because I think that they've done a good job of saying, here's what our prototype is. Here's what right. we want to be able to do. Have they always been able to consistently do it? Not necessarily. But no, they've wanted, the previous staff wanted big yep. corners. Yep. No you know, who could play press. Yep. And and really the, between the corners, and I would say also the defensive line, uh, that three man defensive line that they had, you know, up front in that three four, uh, was certainly an area where they had a prototype. Here's what we wanted, and they brought in players that fit right. that mold. But you know, getting back to the D line, Fletcher Cox can be a three technique. Benny Logan can easily be a a one technique and a four three and fit just fine. He's essentially that right now. Right. It's a three four, but he rarely rarely lines up head up on the center. Right. Exactly. So he's a one technique. Right. Um. You know, the safety position becomes interesting because Malcolm Jenkins is a solid player. Uh, I, I would The one thing I think they lack is speed, and I think that's something that a new staff would really want to address on the back end. It is not a fast back, back end. 
there is no one who's really an explosive athlete. And you could probably say the same offensively as well. I, a need for absolutely. speed. Absolutely. I think that's the one thing. If you were to get someone in with previous NFL experience, whether as an assistant or as a head coach somewhere else, I think they're going to look at the roster as is presently is now and say, we need some speed on this roster. We don't have any speed. We don't have all the dimensions that we want. Very interesting. So, and it'll be interesting too, just to see. Look, I mean, it, we've we've been through this process before. We went through it a couple of years ago. Just interesting to watch how this whole thing unfold, and we start to learn. Okay, who are, who are the new coaches? Who are, who are the new decision makers here uh, as they try and formulate this team? And then also how that will correlate to the scheme that they run. Certainly, a, a fun exercise to try and follow uh, as we follow the building of this team. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. It's actually, for, for someone like myself, friend, it's very exciting because I love uh, you know, understanding, and, and it's likely I'll know who the head coach is, and I'll, I'll have a feel for the schemes, and I, I sort of love piecing it together myself. Sure. It'll be very, very fun to watch. Well, Greg, I appreciate the time here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you very soon. All right, Fran, thank you. Great stuff from Greg, and as most of you know, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. Give me a follow if you like what you're hearing on this podcast. I tweet out the links to this show, all the other podcasts I'm a part of, the Eagle Eye in the Sky column, which people have been asking me on Twitter, that will return. It's not done for good now. Uh, we'll see what the coaching search results uh, turn out to be as the, the offseason unfolds here. Definitely we'll have a return of the Eagle Eye in the Sky column, so look for that there on my Twitter feed. But before we get to the rest of the show, BT, how are things looking on iTunes? You've had a couple weeks off. I haven't asked you are people liking and rating and commenting the show as you've been asking? Yeah, people are. And uh, we've got another good one this week from another great handle, Wolf Eponymous. If anyone has any great handles, send me it. I'm thinking about uh, getting an Instagram. So I need a, you know, <laughs> need a funny handle. So send your, So you're not on Twitter or Instagram? I'm not on huh? Twitter or Instagram. So I'm looking for some handles. Send them to Fran, FDuffy3, and uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll take the best and I'll kind of <laughs> consider them. So, But uh, but Wolf Eponymous uh, gave a great review. says, uh, great podcast, lo- loves listening to you and Greg. And uh, enjoys you guys being able to break down the film, and he thinks you're well on your way to kind of getting. I guess Greg's on a different level, but uh, well, he of th- says you're well on your way to, to getting there, and uh, he really enjoys listening to to you guys break down the the pod, uh, to break down the team and doing it through scheme and obviously through the tape. And uh, it's great having his comments. Anyone that has anything that they like about the show, they don't like about the show. Certainly send it in, and we'll we'll tailor the show to what you like. Awesome. Well, uh, Wolf Eponymous, I appreciate the kind words. God, it's and, a great Wolf Eponymous. Oh, I love fantastic. it. That's a, that might be one of your favorites. <laughs> Occupy your mother's pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Anthony Rusamana. I just I just like that as all his name. So. Yes. All right. Well. But uh, but good stuff. Sending your stuff. Absolutely. And again, it's the best way to support the podcast to to rate it and leave a comment. But let's keep this show going. I had a great conversation with one of my favorite former Eagles, Ike Reese. Let's get to that conversation in two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. Joining me this week on Two Technique, former Eagles linebacker and Eagles game plan analyst, Ike Reese. And Ike, uh, the season is over, and that means our time together has come to an end here for the 2015 season. But we could still talk here about something that plagued the Eagles a little bit on the, on the second half of the season. That was defending running backs out of the backfield and man coverage as a linebacker. Certainly hurt them in Week 16 against the Washington Redskins. Uh, affected them this week as well against the New York Giants. As a linebacker, what are the, the, the toughest parts about playing man coverage against a running back out of the backfield? I've always felt understanding uh, where your help is. You know, if you're in man coverage, uh, is it man free or is it zero coverage? 
And uh, depending on that coverage, uh, you can have inside help if it's man-free, meaning there's someone in the middle there. So I would typically shade towards the outside of my uh, my man to sort of force him where my help is at. And if it's zero technique, I've always thought as a linebacker, what you want to do is you want to take away one of the possible routes that the running back can run or the tight end can run. Um, so when you're either shading to the inside or the outside, you're limiting where he can go. So you basically have cut down his route tree. And I think that's the biggest issue there is, is allowing the backs to come out of their backfield with two-way goals, standing straight up, as opposed to one thing we used to like to do is attack the line of scrimmage, force that running back to commit, and then you cover him, and then you cover him. And I thought far too often this year, we sat back waiting and then tried to play catch up. And the running backs in today's league are just they're too difficult to cover like that. Yeah, and offensive coordinators as well do such a good job of putting those backs in good position to be able to make plays. You think back to that Washington Redskins game, uh, the touchdown catch by Chris Thompson where he was flexed out wide and Kiko Alonso was flexed out to, to cover a man-to-man. Their Eagles were playing man-free. They had a whole defender inside. He played that whole defender. When you're that far out wide, that help is almost moot at that point. And that's the other part about the coverage is you have to cut down the distance between you and the defender. If you know you have help on a play, then go ahead and be aggressive. Be aggressive. Really, with running backs, if you jam them at the line of scrimmage, the quarterback is going to come off of him anyway because they expect those guys to get free releases. So when you jam them, uh, I think it takes them out of the route concept for the quarterback. But but also, it forces that running back to declare where he's going immediately. You're up on the line of scrimmage, he's going to have to tell you immediately, I'm going inside because he has to try to beat you across your face or he's going to try to go out. So uh, I just think when you're playing off, you give – the offensive guy, way too many options on how to beat you, and it's, it's difficult to cover these running backs today. Two different body types the Eagles faced in the second half of the season. You had uh, the quick and shifty. You saw that with Chris Thompson in Washington, a Darren Sproles-type player. Lewis Riddick. Well, yep. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the, Theo Riddick. Theo, I'm Theo sorry. Yep, sure. yes. You had Theo Riddick, a similar issue. And then also you had David Johnson in Arizona, the rookie, yep. who was kind of a big, stockier, straight line, but a great receiver out of the backfield. Who's the tougher cover? You, you like the bigger back that's more of a straight line but you can get you over the top or the guy that's more quick than fast and get it out of breaks and try and separate that way? The shifty guys. Yeah. Guys like Theo Riddick. I mean, Brian Westbrook, when I play, is a nightmare to see out there in the open field. And again, because there's so much field, and often you're going to be the last person that receives help in man-to-man coverage. And most sure. of the, they're going to help the wideouts first. To me, you want to get up there on the guy – uh, I'd rather have a bigger guy because you more than likely can at least run with that guy. The smaller guys are just – they're too shifty, in and out, and half of them uh, in today's game, uh, they catch so many passes, it's almost like having another wide receiver out there. Exactly right. So, Ike Reese, appreciate the time here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you very soon. No doubt about it. Thanks for having me, friend. Great stuff there from Mike, and he did a great job of breaking down how to defend running backs out of the backfield and man coverage as a linebacker. So now I'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast. It's very, very simple. All you have to do is go to your device, whether it's a laptop, a cell phone, your tablet, go on, go to your native podcast app, search for Eagle Eye in the Sky, you hit subscribe, and then the show automatically downloads to your device each and every week, and you can listen whenever or wherever you want. You can listen in the car, 
listen at work. I listen to my commute every single day to and from work here at the NovaCare Complex. All you have to do is go on, hit subscribe, and again, the podcast comes to your phone each and every week. Let's wrap this show up like we do every week, though. Uh, let's talk some college football on Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, B, we've got one more college football game here. It's in, sad we're it's, coming to an end, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, very Bowl season sucked, too. So I was, I, I was yeah, fr- there wasn't a lot of good games, huh? Danny Cannell came up. Uh, it was the last day. Uh, it was, I think, Cactus Bowl. Those games. He just said, I just want a competitive game. <laughs> and, I, and I love to watch those games for the competitive nature sure. of, of kids. It's their last game. And it was, it's been a tough season. So I'm excited to see this game. I hear this, you know, everyone's touting this as a great matchup. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. What matchups do you have, do you have in the game that, uh, that kind of stand out? Well, I think the the and we're going to preview all these matchups. We're going to go, I mean, from top to bottom in this game on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. So look for that tomorrow on Wednesday morning. It's nice uh, having those one on ones to kind of watch in you know the game inside the game. Exactly, so I mean, so something you definitely want to check of, out. Ton of matchups, but the, I would say the number one. If I had to pick one matchup in this game. The the one player on for Clemson, it's Deshaun Watson. It was the Heisman finalist. He's not draft eligible. He's a true sophomore, so not a guy that we're talking about for 2016. Really, and I, I want to get a better sense of what he can be as a passer. But as a runner, he's the second leading rusher on that team. Uh, had a ton of carries. He's this so year. smooth running too. Very smooth athlete. They and their offense is very much based on misdirection on trying to get the deep, the second level defenders out of the move and trying to and trying to get them out of control or out of uh their, their run fit yep. the the linebackers from alabama are going to have to have a very sound game technically uh be very much in, in tune of whether where their responsibilities are inside the run fit so i've touted for a long time Reggie Ragland from Alabama, the senior linebacker, who I think is an outstanding no, player. I think, I, think a, I think he's a stud. He was yeah. line, I, I noticed him in the game. Sorry to interrupt, but I noticed him in the game just lining guys up, yeah. and he just really seemed pre-snap to really know what he was doing. He's, a, he's the total package in terms of what you want off the field uh, and then on the field. I think that a lot of people have questioned his athleticism, and, and I want to continue to watch. I, I've watched, I want to say, six games between this year and last year so far. Uh, and I don't have an issue with his athletic. I think that it's not a, it's not necessarily a strength, but I'm not concerned about his athleticism. I've talked with other people that are a little bit worried, but I'll tell you what, man. I, I think that he's the complete package against the run. Uh, everything that you can do from an off field leadership standpoint, and then I think that he can handle his own in, in pass coverage as well. So between Reggie Ragland, the, the junior Reuben Foster, who was a five star recruit, was a special teams demon throughout his career, and now is a starter as a junior. Between those two guys. Trying to contain Deshaun Watson is going to be a huge task. They've got a running back, Wayne Gallman, a redshirt sophomore, who's been very, very productive this year as well. I think between those two linebackers going up against that running game from Clemson, is, that's, that's the matchup. That's what's going to decide this game because, honestly, I don't know that Clemson's going to be able to run the And that's been their bread and butter. It's run, being able to, being run, able the to run the ball. Right. That, that Alabama defensive line, the way that they manhandled, and it, was, it would looked like man versus boys. Uh, versus uh, Michigan State. I mean, Alabama oh, was, dominated yeah. Michigan State up front. This uh, this defensive front for Alabama is ridiculous. That's going to be the matchup to watch. That's the one thing I noticed watching the Clemson game is they there was nothing dynamic about their pass offense. They were until Deshaun Watson kind of started to run down the field and really open up the the the, the defense. Yeah, and then he could start to try to run to throw. Um, it, it, that that was one that really stood out to me. I want to throw something out to you. Everyone always kills Alabama players in the NFL because they get used a lot. Do you have any truth 
Do you think it's, is it a truth or a myth, or do you think it's just they play a lot of games and they get beat up? Yeah, I, I think that it's a, a case by case basis. You know, I think that people are worried. Oh, yeah, you know, they practice really hard, and part of that that might be true. I think that some guys, though, when you look at the body types of some of the players at certain positions that have, for players that have come out of there, you know, you look at uh, you know some of the running backs that have come out. You know, we're going to have this discussion about Derrick Henry. You know. Nick Saban seems to have a pro of guys that he kind of wants at that running back position. He had it in Trent Richardson, that that big physical hammer Lacey. downhill. They don't they, they don't necessarily have great feet. They don't have necessarily the, the the fluidity that you need to have to be able to make people miss at the next level consistent, consistently. And I think that that's going to be the big question for for uh, for Derrick Henry coming out. That's not necessarily oh yeah he was used so much and he did have a ton of carries this year. But when you rack up. His carries compared to the other players that are coming out in this class, it's kind of middle of the road when you look right. at it from a whole career perspective. Because it'll, he'll be a junior if he does declare for the draft. Uh, I think he'll be it'll be somewhere in the mid seven hundreds if he, you know if he continues this route. Um, you know, and then you look at the the uh, the defensive end position. Okay, they have the edge rushers. He likes those big physical edge rushers, and those guys typically set, set aren't. The edge, right. Yeah, they're 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 not necessarily. You know, Courtney Upshaw. Courtney Upshaw hasn't turned into a guy that's going to be a double-digit sack player. Nice player, right? But he was a second-round pick, and a lot of people had a lot of expectations. He's kind of a big, stiff, you know, kind of set the edge, hold the point of attack type player. Not a double-digit sack guy. But you look at some players. Look, I think T.J. Yeldon is going to be an outstanding running back. In Dante, Dante Hightower. Hightower has been excellent. Uh, C.J. Mosley has been outstanding. Right. I mean, they, they, they look. They've got they've got guys in. A lot of the players that have haven't failed. It's, been, it's more been an athleticism issue, not necessarily right. a banged up issue. Right. And I don't, And the other thing that's not fair too is it's a, it's a case by case basis. No so question. You, you, you can't compare one player versus another player, not knowing his injury his yeah. injury scheme. I mean, injury uh, list. What's happened to him in the past? What's being asked of him in the scheme? So I know it was something that's thrown out to me. Someone said, "Man, they're, they they don't really project well into the NFL." Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's been Craker, so Patrick, D. Milliners. Uh, I think Oakland. I, mean, I think Oakland. Oakland's pretty happy that they didn't pass on Amari Cooper for right, exactly, uh, you know, right. for Kevin White. Or right. you know, you know, you get the point. Right. Is that uh, look? You, sure, all these guys. They all different cases. They do play a lot of games, why. just being. Sure, as talented as they are and getting deep into the playoffs, but that's something that they want to play for. But a lot, and a lot of them also, though, uh, come out as juniors. So when they, uh, <laughs> you know, you have a whole season left. You know, there's right. not. Well, no, there's not. That's a whole season's worth of not playing. Right. You know, and that's the thing is, I keep track of you know how many games do guys play, how many games do guys start at the college level, and where does that compare to their peers coming out? You that's know, a great get, point. You get guys from. You know, we're we're, we're going to see this kid in a couple of weeks. We're going to the Shrine Game on on January 18th. Okay. And we're going to be down there at St. Petersburg, and we're going to see this kid from Southern Utah, okay, an edge rusher, James Kowser. No pass rusher in the last five years has had more sacks coming into the NFL than James Kowser at Southern Utah. He's got, he broke Jared Allen's record, uh, I think, in the, in the Big Sky Conference, 47 and a half sacks in the last four years. He's played 50-plus games. So he should have. I mean, I mean, he's. I'm he, saying, like, he's played. I mean, he he's played. A, right. He's played a ton of games, right. a ton of mileage there. Right. Uh, you know, I think that all guys play a lot of snaps. I mean, every everybody's going to have to play uh, a good amount of football. Now, you talk about practices and how you know how hard are the practices on a daily basis, and you can question that with Nick Saban. But uh, I still think that guys look. Everybody's going to have a certain amount of mileage on them. Everyone's going to have a certain amount of wear and tear. Now it's just a matter of picking which guys have the most to offer moving forward. Going forward, right? Uh, you know, into the NFL. I, I just hate when people make blanket blanket statements like exactly. that, or, or pick up off something that you know they might have heard on the radio, like, "Oh yeah, all Alabama defenders aren't good." Like all Alabama running backs uh, don't turn out in the NFL. As I turn our eyes over to Chris Stevens in the corner of the room, 
big, big Derek Henry fan. Yeah, well, that's you know. So I I think that that that's definitely the issue there. But I teased a little bit earlier. We're we're going to be down at the Shrine Game Monday, January eighteenth. Uh, Senior Bowl, the filing week, this, the week of the twenty fifth, and it's important to note you will not hear this podcast during those two weeks, but. We will be uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast on a daily basis down there from those two All-Star games. So I'll be back that following week, that first week of February for the Eagle. You're Line still dropping podcast. nuggets, though. Oh, absolutely. You're still dropping nuggets be on Twitter. down there. And we've got the, the, we've got the podcast next week. So uh, lots of cool things to come. And look, for this segment each week, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep Saturday scouting going, even though this is the last college football game. From now on, what we're going to do, and this is I, I want you guys to kind of uh, chime in here. What we're going to do is we're going to pick players that are on the Eagles roster now, and we're going to review my notes of them when they were in college and then see how they, how they transitioned here to the NFL. Like so it'll be a fun little segment. But in order for you to chime in, I'm not going to take it from Twitter. I'm not going to take it from Twitter. You have to hit us up on iTunes. You have to go and rate the show on iTunes and leave a comment saying that you want to hear this player uh, inside our Saturday scouting segment. When you do that, then we'll be able to answer those questions. We'll be able to hit up. Got to do a little players. work for it, though. Got to do, do a little work. Got to do a little work. We're going to continue to support the podcast uh, on Twitter uh, and all social media. And obviously, like I said, go out on iTunes and leave that comment, rate the show, and we'll continue that segment. I, we'll, maybe we'll start that next week. We'll, 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 we'll pick a player. I kind of like that. I'd love to hear you know Benny Logan coming out and you know because I remember he came out and I knew about him but I didn't know about him you yeah. know and I'd love to hear your take when you know when yeah, he came out. I want to say I've watched a good chunk of these guys over the past few years, uh, so we'll say we'll, we'll take a look at those notes and uh, we'll compare and contrast. But uh, thanks again to Greg Cosell, to Ike Reese, as well as everybody out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And if you have got the time, again, rate the show. Leave us a comment with that player for that Saturday scouting segment. Let us know what you think. Shoot me a question. I want to hear from everybody out there and keep all of you happy. So wherever you listen, just shoot us a comment. We can keep making this show better each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For my producer, BT, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.